That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to a series win. The Denver Nuggets gentlemen sweep the Minnesota Timberwolves. Final score of game five was 112-109 in a game that had me feeling a little bit conflicted. Now, now these playoff games, uh, I say conflicted because, shoot, if you watched the game like I did, especially in the first half, it was a brutal watch. And for whatever reason, and I, I, don't, I don't have the answer for it, um, the Nuggets did not show up with the prerequisite focus and intensity that typically a closeout game would take. And I can't understand why, especially after game four, where they clearly did not have it in Minnesota and uh, and lost that game on Sunday evening, uh, I just figured that the overcorrection was coming. That okay, you got your you got to check your box. You didn't get swept. You know some of the quotes from the Timberwolves after the game. Anthony Edwards saying, "You know, hey, I took it personal. I didn't want to get swept." Well, well, now you check that box and you come to Denver and. I just figured this championship caliber team would come out with their hair on fire in front of the home crowd and dominate, you know, and, and maybe that was naive of me. Maybe that was naive of me to think, um, because the playoffs are hard. The playoffs are supposed to be hard and it really doesn't matter that, um, Minnesota was, you know, in a play in situation. Like none of that matters when you actually step out onto the court. Like you're not thinking like, well, you know, I, I, I really want to make this shot, but we're the eighth, we're the eight seed, so, you know, I'm not really supposed to make it. It, it, it just doesn't work like that. Uh, Minnesota really competed, and they made it tough on Denver. Um, but that doesn't mean that I can't also be uh, a little bit dis- disappointed with the process and the approach of the Nuggets to um, that situation in, in that context that, that we know and understand. Um you know, we've talked about this through the months. The, the the Nuggets haven't won anything, so you you would figure the hunger would just be on a starving type of uh, scale, and we just didn't see that. You know, for whatever reason, we just didn't see that. Now, ultimately, the Nuggets do enough to get by. And look, in in the middle of round number two, I promise you, we will not be talking about um, the lackluster. Uh, approach in a closeout game of the Timberwolves. We'll be so focused on the Phoenix series, just like in in these moments, we're not focusing on games in January and February. You know, and we talk about this, like we try to use some wisdom here on the podcast, like we would come in here and it would be just like this dog crap performance or a loss to, you know, the Rockets or the Spurs or, you know, one of these other terrible teams. And I would often remind myself in the moment, as well as you, the listener, like, Look, this is not going to matter um, when your season's on the line in the spring, and so we try to we'll try to keep that same measured approach here, um, while while also reacting to the game. So, like th- that's the balance you walk in the regular season, right? You react to the games that are in front of you, but you try to use perspective with what it means, and that's what we'll try to do here. Like, 
disappointing game five. They ultimately get the win. Um, and we'll go over some of the reasons why it was disappointing here. But look, the, the, the bottom line is it's the NBA playoffs. They just won a series in five games. It, it, did it look as pretty as you would hope? No. Um, but that's not how the playoffs work. Now, I was thinking about this uh, with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, it's so funny, man. Like, you watch, like, like regular season hockey, and you have these sexy goals, these breakaways, these one-timers with the you know, cross-ice passes leading to one-timers. And then you get into the NHL playoffs, and, and it's all congested. There's not enough space. Everyone plays with a sense of urgency on every shift, and those those one-timers are now being blocked by bodies, by guys who are throwing themselves in the way of those shots, where in the regular season, they're just not doing that. So it looks different. It feels different. And that that's kind of, um, that's kind of uh, my analogy for, for Game 5 and the Nuggets closeout game uh, over, over the Minnesota Timberwolves at Ball Arena on Tuesday night. Um, Jokic, let's start with him. The stats look insane. 28 points, 17 rebounds, 12 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. It's one of these other historic stat lines that, you know, StatMuse or one of these other, you know, Twitter handles will say, hey, first time ever in playoff history that this has happened with these exact numbers. Um, Watching the game, I didn't think Jokic played well. I did not think he played well. That doesn't mean it was all bad. Of course not. Jokic is too great of a player for it to be all bad. We don't see those games anymore. But through the lens of the MVP and our expectations that he has set for us, I did not think he played well. I mean, he took 29 shots and missed 21 of them. I mean, that is just that that enters a territory of the bizarre from Nikola Jokic. Eight of 29 from the floor. Uh, he was great at the free throw line, made 9 of 10, and the Nuggets just in general um, were, were fantastic at the free throw line, and you could argue that that is what won them the game. It was actually at the charity stripe. They made 32 free throws, the most free throws made in a playoff game since 2010. They shot nearly 90%. They missed their first two and then rattled off 26 made free throws in a row. And that is why the game was so close at half. It felt like the Nuggets were going to be down 15 points, and they were down by 15 points. Um, well, was it 15? Did it get all the way up to 15? I'll get it here in a second. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, the largest lead for Minnesota was 15 points. Wow. Um, so, uh, but the free throw line was the equalizer uh, for Denver. So, hey, you know, uh, you take it however way, uh, however it comes. And now you're going to get, because you were so uh, efficient at, at the stripe and get the victory, um, as narrow as it was, now you're going to have four days off. You're going you're, you're gonna to rest on Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Friday, and then you'll ultimately play Saturday. And we'll, we'll, we're not even going to get into the Phoenix uh, preview. We'll do that um, a little bit later. Uh, but today, just reacting to uh, the Game 5 victory. As I am on the verge of losing my voice. So you're going to hear me stop periodically to take a drink as I'm just talking to myself here. At the time of recording, um, it's uh, about 10.30 uh, in the morning on Wednesday. And uh, the Nuggets got to be feeling pretty good. You put this behind you. you, you this was, a, this was a, um, a different matchup, okay? I mean, if you're watching the games like I am, the combination of uh, uh, the size of Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns there's just really not another comp like it in the NBA um, that's at the top of mind anyway, uh, and certainly not in the playoffs, where you have these just twin towers 
um, for for Minnesota, and it was tough. I mean, they made it tough on Jokic. Like we saw Jokic um, struggle. We saw Jokic get his shot blocked in the series. Like we're not used to seeing stuff like that. So it was very different. And and I'll, I just want to say, like, first of all, I thought Carl Anthony Towns played played pretty well on on uh, a Tuesday night. Not great struggle from three, but he had some moments. Um, uh, but Rudy Gobert, more uh, specifically, I thought was really good in this series. And this is part of the reason why I just don't think this experiment is going to work. Because when Rudy Gobert plays that well, as he did for the last week and a half, and Anthony Edwards plays as well as he did, um, I just don't know big picture if this team can ever is ever going to be a real uh, problematic Western Conference team that's going to be like playing like in the conference finals. I just don't see it. Now, that being said, if they had Nas Reed and Jaden uh, McDaniels and uh, a Kyle Anderson who missed game five with an eye injury, they th- th- this series is not ending in five if those guys are available. I'm, I'm just telling you. And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I'm just telling you how it is. It, they do not escape that game when they win by uh, three points. Um, they do not win that game, I do not believe, if those three players are available. But that's how the cookie crumbles. You, you, you don't, you don't uh, apologize for it. Uh, especially if you're a Nuggets fan, because of what the last two seasons have been like. Like, the shoe is finally on the other foot. The Nuggets are completely healthy uh, in the NBA playoffs, now a series into it. And you're not promised this health. Like, look at what happened with Giannis in Milwaukee. Look what happened with Tyler Hero in Miami. Look what happened to the Minnesota Timberwolves right here in front of us. Like, within a month before the playoffs, start those three guys that I mentioned, uh, McDaniels, Nas Reed, Kyle Anderson, those guys are available. Um, so, and then a month later, they're, they're all not, and that's, that, that was very problematic for them. Um, so really you tip your hat to Minnesota and you just, you just put the pelt on the wall. Uh, if you're Denver, um, I didn't think Jokic played well, but he made the, 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 the requisite plays down the stretch, um, to, to put the nuggets over the finish line. Same logic could be applied for Michael Porter Jr. I re- man, that guy was anonymous for three quarters. Again, this is the second game like it, this series, um, but when the, the game was on the line, there was Michael Porter Jr., that massive drive from the right wing going around uh, uh, and using Rudy Gobert's leverage against them for that two-hand jam that lit Ball Arena on fire. He hit two threes um, in the fourth quarter when he was 0 for 5 in the first three quarters. And I think just as importantly as any of that stuff is he did not let it affect his rebounding. Ten rebounds for Michael Porter Jr., two steals. That was really encouraging to see. So, again, there's context to all this stuff. It's sort of like the inverse of Jokic's line. If you look at Jokic's stat line, you're like, oh, my God, he was amazing when he really wasn't. And if you look at Michael Porter Jr.'s stat line, you're like, oh, my gosh, that guy uh, looked like he really struggled, in which he did, but in the high-leverage moments, he was great. And now you're seeing stats come out about, hey, in the last you know 20 years with over 1,000 you know, uh, 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 eligible players for this. Like his efficiency in fourth quarters is like third best. And I'm not going to get too wrapped up in into those numbers um, because my eyes still tell me that guy really struggled. And that type of effort over uh, the 39 minutes he played will just simply not cut it in the next round. Um, but I do expect him uh, to get better. And I think the matchup will be a little bit better for, for Denver in, in a couple specific areas that we'll talk about a little bit later in the week. Um but uh, but but good on MPJ for sticking with it and not um, letting his lack of offense in the first three quarters dictate how it would go in the last 12 minutes. So tip of the cap. 
Um, the ultimate tip of the cap uh, is to Jamal Murray, um, who my big takeaway from Murray uh, from this series is I have asked the question repeatedly about Jamal Murray. Can he be the second best player on a championship team? And let me just say this. You don't get that answer in the first round. But that being said, the first round is all we have to react to. And Jamal Murray was largely fantastic in this series. It wasn't all perfect. He had bad games. He had bad halves. But I look at game number two in this series where he put 40 points on Minnesota. And I look at game five where he drops 35. And those two games give me enough optimism from the shot-making standpoint, from the confidence standpoint, that Jamal Murray... um, can be that guy. Again, we don't have the answer, but the early returns in these playoffs, because each playoff year and, 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 and group of games, it's, it's an island unto themselves. That's why I don't like the, the Bubble Murray stuff. Like, that was years ago. Like, this, Jamal's playing really good right now. So let's see if he can keep it up. And I think he will. I think he will. I think this second round, you could see some uh, big scoring games from Jamal um, against Phoenix uh, the, in the 35 to 40% a variety. I do think we're going to see that in the second round. So I'm really encouraged in that department that for me is really, really, really important given the historical profile of championship teams. Um, KCP struggled uh, uh, in this game. Uh, he had two big games. He had It was game one and game three where he made three threes. They're going to need more of that type of KCP against Phoenix. Um, but there was some, there was, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, all bad for, for KCP. Um, but just turnovers. I mean, the turnovers in the first half were really, really ugly and he was a part of that. Um, but he finishes with 10 points. And then the other guy that deserves his own spotlight is Bruce Brown, who I thought was just an absolute, um, spark plug for this team. Played 30 minutes, scored 14 points. He was a plus eight. Uh, in, in those 30 minutes, shot 50% from the field. He was absolutely perfect from the free throw line. And Bruce Brown, we talked about this at the end of the regular season. My biggest takeaway from the last five, six weeks, why Denver really struggled, Bruce Brown was fantastic. And he carried that over into the first round. Guys, he was double digits in four of the five games against Minnesota. Uh, 14 points in game one, and he bookends it with 14 points in game five. So really, really good a good sign there from um, Bruce Brown, who took eight free throws in game five. Guys, in games two, three, and four, he shot exactly zero free throws. And then he shoots eight of them in game five and made all eight of them to go with five rebounds, to go with two assists. This guy is going to get the bag this offseason. And the hope is he enters the offseason with incredible momentum after being an integral role uh, a, a role player in a team that plays in the NBA Finals and, and may even uh, win an NBA championship. So um, that that's really exciting. I mean, the fit for the fit for Bruce Brown and KCP. You know, throughout this season, I want to be a, a prisoner of the moment. Both Bruce Brown and KCP. If I'm if I'm Calvin Booth, man, you talk about pushing the right buttons from the very start. We uh, we predicted that uh, on this podcast that this was going to be a fantastic fit. Um, and it has been. And in some ways, even for Bruce Brown with the timeliness of it, it's been an even better fit um, than, than, than I thought. So um, uh, what else did I want to get to here today? Uh, talked about the free throws, gave the individual shout outs. The points in the paint were problematic um, against Minnesota. I think it was... 
Let me pull it up here. As we are doing this in the moment, because um, I don't know the exact number, but I know it was too much. Okay, 58 points in the paint. That's that's just a little bit too much. Um, I don't expect that to be the case against Phoenix. That's not really how Phoenix operates. They're more of a, a jump-shooting, three-point shooting team. Um, but that was discouraging how often Minnesota got to the rim, especially Anthony Edwards. But I want to say this, too, um, as we wind down here. Anthony Edwards is a star. That's that's what a star looks like. Like, and I hear, you know, even colleagues at my own station, hey, Michael Porter Jr. is a star. He's not. He's not there yet. He can be. Um, Anthony Edwards, are you kidding me? At 21 years old, to be making history the way, it, you know, he has. He averaged 25 points for the regular season. And I thought in this series, he, um, I mean, I just couldn't be more impressed. Could not be more impressed. 18 points, 41 points, 36 points, 34 points, 29 points. He had a stretch there in the first half where he was just brilliant and unguardable. Makes it look easy. He's smooth, but also plays with authority. I mean, Anthony Edwards is, um, I'm just so uh, impressed by that young man. Um, really, really impressed. That is a true cornerstone that Minnesota can can build around. Unfortunately, I don't I don't like some of the other cornerstones on that team. I think something may need to happen this offseason or next um, because they have a gem, a diamond uh, in Anthony Edwards, and he was just great. And the other guy I was so impressed with throughout the series is Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a uh, 24-year-old, a former first-round pick uh, for the Nets, I think. He played at Virginia Tech. Man, that guy just, just impressed the hell out of me. I'm not going to misrepresent myself and say I knew you know, all about this guy's game, but being able to watch him as closely as I did in this series, uh, I was just so impressed. A two-way player, shot maker, uh, an MFer defensively. Um, I'll be watching. I'll be following his career from afar after what I saw um, in this series. Um, guys, I think we're going to leave it there for now. Uh, kudos to the Denver Nuggets. First round is in the books. That is the fifth playoff uh, series win uh, in the Michael Malone era. Michael Malone passes Doug Moe for the most playoff victories in Nuggets history. He's now at 25. Um, so a massive tip of the cap to uh, to, to, to Michael Malone, who uh, built this operation or helped, helped build it. It was an integral part of building it from the ground up for years now and uh, gets the dividends uh, from the work and the sweat equity from over the years in that uh, sort of record number one playoff wins for a coach in Nuggets history. Pretty cool. All right, uh, we're going to leave it there for now. We'll check in a little bit later in the week um, and preview the Nuggets series, or the uh, Sun series, which starts uh, on Saturday. Man, exciting times, guys. We literally waited years to do this, and now we're here, and it's really, really exciting. So, guys, uh, if you think we deserve five stars, rate this podcast, tell a friend. It's the best way to grow this thing organically. Shout out Superbook Sports, proud sponsor of this podcast. And boy, oh boy, whatever happens next, you already know. We're going to be talking about it right here the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.